Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to episode number 228 of the Love Life Connection podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm excited to connect with you this week. And thank you to everyone who has left a rating or review for the podcast. I really appreciate it. I read every single review. And if you haven't left one, I would so appreciate you doing so. If you're not sure how to relieve a review wherever you listen to this podcast, go ahead and get in touch with me. I'm happy to help you out. I've got some video walkthroughs that show you how to do it on Stitcher, which I know can be a little bit more tricky. Just send me an email, veronicagrant.com forward slash contact or ask me on Instagram, Veronica E. Grant, and I'd be happy to help you out. And thank you for helping me out. All right. So I want to just share something that's been coming up for me a lot that I think will probably be coming up for you, although it might be in a different context. But By the time this episode airs, I will be deep into my third trimester about to have the baby. And even while I'm recording this, I'm still in my third trimester or just beginning my third trimester, I should say. And so now I've been getting a lot of comments around like, oh, well, you think pregnancy has been easy up until now, just wait till you you know, get huge or wait till you never sleep or breastfeeding sucks. Wait till you have to do that. Like that's just going to be awful and blah, blah, blah. And it's really frustrating. And sometimes it's just easy to roll my eyes and kind of walk away. But I noticed that I actually experienced a lot of this kind of projection when I was single, right? A lot of people would say, oh, well, just live it up while you're single or just enjoy it while you still can. And obviously it comes from well, I think it comes from a well-meaning place. So, 
you know, I know most women listening to this show aren't pregnant, but I know a lot of you are single. And I know that a lot of times people can just project their own pain or their own negative experiences onto us, you know, no matter what our situation is. And, you know, if it's someone you don't know very well, I think it's totally fine just again, like kind of shrug it off and be like, oh, whatever. But if it's someone that is in your life, whether it's a friend or a coworker you see all the time, or a parent or a sibling, whoever, and they have that kind of attitude, I think it's worth it to set a boundary. Because the truth is, is that, yeah, maybe there are things you can do when you're single that are a little harder to get away with when you're in a relationship. And maybe it really is true that breastfeeding is going to be really hard and painful or whatever else people are fear mongering me with. But it's not 100% true just because it was that one person's experience, right? People have different experiences transitioning from single life to being in a couple. People have different experiences transforming from being a non-parent to a parent. Some people have a really easy time breastfeeding. Some people don't. Some babies sleep really well. Some babies are colicky. And there's everything in between. And I think that when we take on the fears and projections of other people, I think it really does have a negative impact. And I don't want to say it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I do think that it certainly creates a framework where it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if there is someone in your life who is just negatively projecting their crap onto you, I think a very simple and kind, I'm really sorry, blank was difficult for you. And what you're sharing with me is neither helpful or supportive, I have to be honest with you. So I'd appreciate you just not sharing it. And if you'd like to be supportive, I would love your support, but this is not it. And I think just saying something simple like that can go a really long way. And we're going to talk about boundaries later in this call. I know sometimes that can feel, ooh, setting a boundary. I don't know about that. Especially if the relationship has been based on no boundaries, then it can feel even more uncomfortable and create even more potential for some issues to arise. But that doesn't mean it's not worth setting the boundary. So if you resonate with people projecting their own maybe painful experiences onto you, I hope that was helpful. Again, it definitely exceeds far outside the boundaries of being pregnant or being single. I think a lot of people do this in a lot of different ways. And sometimes other people just do it because it makes themselves feel better. But that doesn't mean you have to be the brunt of that kind of behavior. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable to set boundaries, then you'll definitely love this episode. So let's get right to it. So this episode starts off with my caller and she has a common fear that I actually hear a lot from women in this community. And that is she's finally met someone great and she wants to make sure she doesn't mess it up. And specifically, she doesn't want to sabotage it because a lot of anxiety of like, oh man, when is the other shoe going to drop kind of thing keeps coming up for her. So like usual on the show, there is another hindrance to her feeling more secure in this relationship, which we're going to dive into. So here's what I want you to ask yourself as you listen in. Are you in a healthy relationship now that you're afraid of messing up or sabotaging? Do you struggle with anxiety? How do you manage it when it comes up? And is there someone in your life that perhaps you love a lot, but their presence is too much or even suffocating? And is there a relationship in your life that keeps reopening a wound over and over again? So keep these questions in mind and keep any issues around boundaries or setting boundaries you may have in mind. And let's get right on with the episode. Hi, Abby. Welcome to the show. How can I help today? 
So I feel like I've gotten to a place in my dating life where I've finally attracted the right person Mm -hmm. and I cannot settle down. I cannot calm down in this relationship. And I feel like I am sabotaging myself through anxiety, you know, and how I express my anxiousness um, over. What are you anxious about? I'm anxious that he will blindside me and that that will be taken away suddenly, that the relationship will just disappear. And I know that's not a rational thought. Yeah. And how are you sabotaging? I will get hung up on like the level of communication that we're having in a particular day. You know, a lot of it is internal. Like I will go down roads in my mind that, you know, he hasn't responded and he's off with someone else. I mean, it's, you know, it's gone. It's way, he hasn't given me any indication that that's, you know, a possibility, but I, um, I'm sabotaging myself and I don't know if I, I, it's, he's obviously picking up on that anxiety because I become needy, but I haven't, you know, expressed to him or accused him of anything, but that's where I go in my mind. Okay. So you haven't expressed or accused anything of him, but does he know how you're feeling about the fear or the anxiety that's coming up or where it's coming from or why it's there? Yes. Yeah. We, we've had extensive conversations about it and, um, you know, this is what I have to work on. Okay. Okay. And what was your dating history pattern? You don't have to give me every relationship, Mm -hmm. but what was the general pattern before? Sure. I was married for eight years and it ended incredibly suddenly, like literally overnight. And then um, took a break for a couple of years and then found myself basically getting involved with men who were emotionally unavailable for a period of time. And I think that was pretty intentional that I was choosing them. Yeah. Yeah. And was your marriage to your ex-husband, was that the first person that you were in a relationship with or did you have a pattern before him? The pattern before him was, again, pretty casual and um, pretty emotionally unavailable. Okay, great. So go ahead and close your eyes for me for a second. And I want you to take a breath, settle in. And can you feel that anxiousness that you feel with your current partner of him, you know, leaving at any second? Yeah, it's low lying. Okay, you can still feel it. Yeah. Okay. How intense is it? Just curious, scale one to 10, 10 being most intense. It's at a three. Okay, okay. It's not too bad right now. So I just want you to feel into it and just become familiar with it. Notice where you feel it in your body. Notice the sensations. Does it feel like a butterfly? Does it feel like a clenching? Does it feel something else prickly? Oh, it's clenching. It's okay. It's like a, a vice grip on me. Okay. Okay. What does this feeling remind you of? Or when have you felt like this before? It makes me feel out of control. And uh, I've actually, you know, done some thinking and work on it. And um, I think it has a lot to do with how I have related to my mother in the past, like that I was concerned with her judging me and my choices. Um, I was a high achieving, you know, child. And it just seemed like if I wasn't following her path, there was intense and immediate judgment. Okay. So tell me more about that. What was she Um, like? She wanted you to be high achieving, or she was more of like jealous of you of being high achieving. 
I think she was proud of me, but I think she had a series of expectations and steps that in her head that I should be following. And if I deviated from that, I felt, I felt like she wasn't even ready to meet me halfway to understand. So it felt like conditional, like her affection felt conditional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then how does that relate to either your current partnership or your love life as a whole, as an adult? My ex-husband, she immediately disapproved of him. And um, when things fell apart, I felt like not that any mother would be pleased about it or take any sort of, you know, feel any sort of positive way about her daughter being hurt. But it was almost like, and I told you so, you know, like, like I knew that he was bad news. And so I'm constantly trying to gauge, am I, am I capable of making these decisions for myself? You know, like, am I making the right choice? It's, there's a lot of insecurity there. A lot of insecurity. Okay. And is that what's driving the, the anxiousness in your current relationship? Like, am I making the right choice? Is he the right choice? Is this relationship the right choice? Right. You know, can I trust that he's, you know, he means what he says and he, you know, expresses what his expressions of affection are true and are his expressions of love adoration those things do they feel conditional or do they feel like loving and kind and coming from a good place loving kind coming from a good place you know and how are you accepting that does that feel weird does it feel good does it feel like (laughs) I feel like it takes me a while to like when we're together to like almost settle and center myself because, you know, there's a level of being uncomfortable with um, like being in a, what I think is probably a healthy relationship. Like I don't, you know, I'm accepting of it, but it, it takes a few minutes, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. a few beats. Yeah. Okay. 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 Let's back up to mom because, you know, as you know, and I know you listen to this podcast and everyone listening has listened and we all know that it all goes back down to parents and inner child and all that kind of stuff. And it can manifest in a lot of ways, right? Like we can end up dating people like our parents. We can rebel against our parents and then end up being kind of like our parents, even though we don't mean to, or we can end up just not learning important skills or tools. And so if your mom judged you and said basically my way or the highway, more or less, or my way is the best way, you know, or exactly, it doesn't matter exactly how she worded it or how you word it, then, you know, obviously that's going to create some core wounds, blocks, all that kind of stuff. So when you think of your mom and you think of her judging you and you trying to please her, getting her good graces, all that stuff, how old do you feel? I'm just about to be a a teenager. Like, you know, I'm, I'm peeling away from my parents. Yeah. Okay. So you're like 11 or 12 or so. Mm -hmm. Yep. Classic tween age. Yep. What was she telling herself at the time? What did your inner tween, what did she, what did she believe to be true? I'm not allowed to take risks. Not allowed to take risks because what happens if you take risks? Mom won't approve or I'm scared of how she's going to react. This isn't me. me. 
Okay. If you take you know? a risk or if you take a risk and it doesn't pan out, how, when would she come in and do her judging? Oh, both. Okay. Okay. Just the act of, of breaking out of the mold, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this isn't me is what you said, right? Yeah. This isn't me. This isn't who, you know, mom and dad love and um, respect and get, you know, this isn't who gets the accolades. Mm-hmm. Aside from what you think mom and dad says is you, who do you think you are? Like, what are the things that make you tick? What are the things that inspire you? What are the things that excite you? I think that the times that I have taken risk are the times that I've felt the most like myself and alive. Like when? Well, you know, I was forced into taking the risk of becoming a single parent and running a household on my own, but that wasn't something that I thought I was capable of. And it felt good. I, I thrived as I worked my way through that Mm -hmm. and built that up. You know, I, last year I got very serious about running and I didn't think that, you know, that was something that I was going to be able to manage with two small children at home. And I ran a half marathon last year. I'm going to try to run a marathon this year. You know, when I just don't take into account, you know, what's coming from above, because my parents are still very involved in our lives, my life. And I just charge ahead. I feel good and I feel capable. Is there still codependency going on? I think so. They help out a lot um, with my children. So I feel um, like a sense of obligation toward them, you know, to tell them. Obligation in what sense? You know, where am I going? Who am I going to be with? It's like a little bit too a mesh, you know, for, I think for an adult and and her parents, you know? Okay. So when it comes to other people and mending relationships, you know, people who are listening to the episode from two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I know it hasn't come out, but I'm just speaking of what I know the schedule <laughs> is. Um, you know, we talked to the person two weeks ago asked like, oh, should I heal the relation with my brother? And like, well, maybe heal the, the void or the wound that he left first. And then, you know, if you want, like it's a cherry on top. With this situation, since your parents, especially your mom, it seems like is really involved and she's also a very big trigger. I do think that it'll be much easier to heal this when you create some boundaries. Because like, I mean, I think on some level, like, you know what you have to do. Like you've listened to the show, you've got to reparent yourself. You've got to heal this wound that it's not you who take risks or it's, it's risky to take risks. Or if you fall flat on your face and something bad will happen or whatever, like these are all the stories that your little girl, your inner child has told herself over the years. And so now she's in this relationship and it's like, if I jump all the way in, that's risky. And it is right. Like, let's not pretend Mm -hmm. like it's not risky. Like it is like everything on some level is risky. Right. But that's what life kind of is. And so we know there's inner parenting work. We know that there's, I should say reparenting work. And we know that there's wound healing, so to speak. But I will say that that's going to be a lot more difficult with your mom still very, very close to you in your life, because that's just going to keep, it's just like, you're trying to like heal a wound and you keep picking the scab off. Yeah. You know, and it's just going to keep getting reopened because this part of you that you're trying to heal this part of you, that's like 
oh, I have to make mom happy. I have to please her. That's just going to keep getting bumped up against over and over and over again. And I often use the analogy. It's kind of like, you know, telling an alcoholic that they have to go to their AA meetings in a bar, you know, there's like triggers everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that that's would be really hard, I would imagine. Right. And so for you, not that you have to like banish your mother from your life, I'm not suggesting that at all, but I am suggesting that there needs to be some boundaries put in place. What's really interesting is that for two months, we did not see my parents because we were being very strict about social distancing, even though they live a mile down the road, they're the most vulnerable population, you know, in our, in our circle. So I felt this sense of freedom almost that, you know, like I didn't have to answer to them. I could parent the way I wanted to parent. I could interact with my boyfriend the way I wanted to in, you know, without being accountable. And I have to say the anxiety spiked as soon as we opened back up to them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If today's conversation resonated with you and this feels like something you need, it's possible. There are spots right now available to work with me privately. Together, we can unravel your dating patterns, clear your love blocks, and get you into the relationship you desire and deserve by digging into your constitution, your childhood, and your previous relationships. Working with me privately means I can meet you where you're at and hold your hand through the process. It doesn't matter if you've never done this work or you've been doing it for years. All that matters is that you're done with where you're at and you're ready to find love in the next 12 months and are ready to invest the time and money in radically changing your life. To explore if this is the right fit for you, please visit me at veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching to learn more and schedule your introductory call with me. Okay. So again, we don't have to, well, who knows? We might all be going into massive quarantine again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know exactly where you are. You don't have to say it on the podcast, but (laughs) you know, and that was like a really great opportunity to see just how enmeshed your mom was and appears to still be in your life. But I don't think ultimately that's what you want. And I could be wrong. Like, I do think you want her in your life to an extent, if nothing else, like free babysitting is always nice. <laughs> no, and I do love her. And I, you know, I, I think that she would probably be very surprised. That is how I view the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's because just the relationship has been based on a certain level of power dynamics and, and that's just, you know, until she decides to do her own work, that's just the way it is. So what is, you know, I'm not a little birdie on your shoulder, so I don't know exactly where boundaries are being crossed, but if you could just think of one thing, like the thing that will be like the biggest rock, so to speak, what is one way you just want to set a boundary with her? You know, she feels a constant need to know our whereabouts and our schedule. And I think I just have to say, like, you're not doing this to my younger brother. Like, you know, I think I have to address it head on and say, you know, if, you know, you feel like there's a sense of, there's a safety issue, I will let somebody know where I'm going when I'm on my own. But, you know, I have to be able to have freedom here as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's perfect. That's what you're going to do. Um, so I would, you know, whether you're seeing her in person or pick up the phone, I would not do this over text. And I would just... I wouldn't necessarily say like, why are you doing this? You don't do this to my brother because you don't want to set her up to be on the defensive Mm -hmm. because whenever you're setting a boundary with someone where there were some codependency tendencies, it's always going to be a little messy. 
I shouldn't say always, it's almost always going to be a little messy because there's a power dynamic. And I know people listening can't see me, but like I'm holding my hands up at two different levels, right? Like your mother is up here in terms of having more of the power in the relationship and you're, and you're down here. And all you're doing by setting the boundary is just raising your level equal to hers in terms of power in the relationship. You're not taking her power away from her. So you're not like pushing her power down. You're just evening it up. But Mm -hmm. from her end, that feels like you're taking her power away. Right. And what I mean by power is I do mean power, but I also mean like ability to feel loved and appreciated, not just within the relationship, but within her life. The relationship dynamic is like this because it makes her feel important probably to feel needed. And that makes her feel good enough and worthy and all that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason in her lifetime with her parents or whatever, she's not able to generate that from within. Now that's not your problem to solve. She has to wake up to that and decide to do it or not. So it can feel a little like, you know, depending on the nature of the relationship, it can be like, why are you being selfish? If it's like a really bad relationship, it can be like, why are you being a bitch? Um, not saying that it'll go there, but she might just feel hurt. Like you don't care about her. You don't love her. And so it's not that you want to beat around the bush. I think it is important to be super direct, but it's super important to be super compassionate and loving. I'm so appreciative mom that you care about me and you want to know my whereabouts and you want to make sure that I'm safe. It's just really stressful to always have to tell you where I am or where I'm going. And I would just appreciate that, you know, if this just wasn't part of the conversation, if you didn't ask me this anymore and trust that I will let you know if I'm going somewhere by myself, like on a hike, Mm -hmm. or it might make more sense to let someone know about your whereabouts and when you expect to be back, something like that. Super compassionate, but not like dancing around issue. And not to say that she won't go on the defensive because again, like that power dynamic is going to shift in this, but it's giving her less ammo, so to speak. Right. How does that feel? That feels good. Um, and that feels doable and not like a scary sort of showdown confrontation. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's not easy to set a boundary when a relationship has been based on never having boundaries before. And sometimes it's easier to have those kind of relationships with partners or friends that we can just decide to cut off from our life and be like, screw it. (laughs) Um, And sometimes, you know, with family and siblings, that might be the appropriate course of action as well. It doesn't seem like that's the appropriate course of action or the desired course of action here. And it's that makes it even more tricky because you want this person to be in your life just not as much. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I think that once you begin to set this boundary, and this is probably one of many boundaries that need to be set. I'm all about, you know, writing the coattails. Like if this is like a big thorn in your side, like other smaller boundaries might get passed on through with this bigger boundary being set. And it might also be the case that some other boundaries need to be set along the way. But when, and you said this yourself, but when you set this one boundary, I think it'll help clear the space for you then to do some of the inner child healing that needs to be done. Right. And I know that that's where I need to be focusing instead of trying to fix the immediate, you know, impulse to like calm down in my romantic relationship. Like I need to do this work 
to get to a better place overall in my life. Yeah. I think it's wise to have, you know, a practice or a tool though, to turn to when you feel anxious. So when you do feel that anxiety coming up in your relationship, what's the course of action you take now? Like, what do you do? I spin, you know, I, I start to spin. And um, one thing I, you know, had been doing prior to jumping back into dating this time around was like, if I had that spike personally, I would start writing down like what was going through my head. And I stopped doing that. Like I stopped and it didn't have to be an intense sort of journaling experience. It it could have been just lines, you know, Mm -hmm. things that were just coming up. And I think I need to find either I need to go back to that or I need to find some other way to express all of this instead of having it manifest yeah. In like a texting I'm, I'm a big fan of getting things out of your head. That's a really, I think that's great. And like, and again, it doesn't have to be in a journal. You can even just pull out like, you know how many text messages I send to myself? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just need to get out of my head and like, cause I don't want to like forget about them or it's like for whatever, I just need to get out of my head and then I can look at it later. I, so I totally get that. Can I suggest another practice to you as well? Yeah, absolutely. So anxiety is never the problem. It's only the messenger. You know the old saying, don't shoot the messenger. So when you're feeling anxious, again, you can more than welcome to get stuff out of your head. Again, I think that's a beautiful practice. I have it in my own life as well. But I think also what you can, or I should say, and what you can also do is when you feel the anxiety is notice where you feel it in the body, just like we did earlier in our call, like you might feel the chest, stomach, whatever. And you can just you know, close your eyes for a second, put your hand over your heart or wherever you feel the anxiety. And just imagine it's like an old friend and you're like, Oh, it's you again, anxiety. How can I help? What are you here to let me know? What are you here to tell me? Because anxiety always has a message. Anxiety is just an alarm bell and like an alarm bell goes off because there's a fire or because there's smoke or because, you know, in the hospital or schools, there's like different kinds of alarms, depending on like if there's like an active shooter or if there's like some other kind of dangerous situation. And so think of it like that. Like, what is this alarm that's telling me? It might be the same message over and over again, or it might be slightly different. It might mean, hey, there's another boundary that's coming up that I'm noticing with my mom actually that needs to be addressed. Or, hey, I need to have this conversation with my partner. Or, hey, I need to have this conversation with my child. Or, hey, I've been doing a lot of things for other people the past few days. I just need to take a bath tonight and just chill out or whatever, you know, like this. And, and the nice thing about that is it helps you a build a better relationship with anxiety. So you're not so scared of it because when you're scared of it or resist it, that feeds the story of like, Oh, this is bad. This is bad. That feeds the spinning. And then it just, you just spiral. Like you said, you just, and instead when you can, it's almost like you're catching the anxiety. You're like, Oh, Hey there. That's the only way to stop it. Truly. Right. And then the nice thing is that it gives you tangible action steps to take. Once you ask why it's there, what it wants you to know, okay, it wants you to have a conversation with your mom. Great. Have a conversation with your mom. It wants you to have a self-care night. Great. Have a self-care night. And I think it can help you take some step-by-step actions of overall what you can do in your life and also specifically your love life. How does that feel? That feels good. And it also really plays into like some of the more recent episodes that I listened to about letting yourself have the feelings. Yeah. Um, and even though anxiety, you know, is the alarm bell, like I need to let the feelings in after the anxiety is, you know, dealt with. 
Yeah. And I think you're referring to the episodes I did on, you know, anger and all that stuff. And, you know, we all know that when anger just stews, one day you're going to explode. Right. And so basically like it just expands. It's going to get so big that one day you just can't take it. And that's what anxiety is the exact same thing. So if you just try to ignore it or pretend like it's not there or try to use willpower to make it go away, Mm -hmm. like anger, it's going to expand. And then one day it's going to come out in the form of a panic attack or anxiety attack, or just extreme self-sabotaging behavior, which I know is, you know, the thing that you're trying to avoid. And so when you actually catch the anxiety and let it come in, not saying it's going to go away entirely, but I would say like, I don't speak in absolutes, but I would say like 99.9% of the time, it's actually going to subside a little bit. And this is coming from someone who's like gone to the emergency room with panic attacks, thinking I was having a heart attack. So like, I know what it feels like to have really scary feeling anxiety and you just want to make it go away. You want to pop a Xanax or a bottle of wine or something like I get all of those desires, but the more you're able just to catch it and talk to it, the better off. I think not to say that sometimes for people listening or for you, if people are on medication for anxiety or depression, not to say that's wrong or bad. Sometimes it's exactly what you need just to get to the point where you can catch the anxiety. But you know, that's not necessarily the point that I was making. Sure. Sure. So yeah. How does this all feel? It feels good. It feels like um, a real like compliment to the therapy that I've been doing and the conversations I've been having with my partner. But this feels good because it feels like steps I can take and it feels like I have tools and an assignment now. And mm-hmm. as a high achiever, that's what I want, you know? <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> That's the problem with my style of coaching is that it really does sometimes feed into the, like, I'm a high achiever. Like I can make an A plus on anything. Just like, give me time. I can do it. And so like my style of coaching is very like activity and assignment. Assignment. (laughs) It's great because I think people do want and need also tangible things to focus on, but sometimes it can play into like the overachiever, not just high achiever, (laughs) but overachiever part of ourselves. But you know, that's a whole other story. Awesome. Well, I'm glad this was helpful and that you have some steps and, you know, we didn't really get too much into the inner child work, but, you know, just to be clear, that really comes along with creating the space that you're going to create from setting the boundary, you know, with your mom and don't be afraid to set another boundary if it needs to happen. And yeah, I think you're on the right path. I'm really excited for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Abby, for coming onto the show. As always, I so appreciate all the women's courage and vulnerability for asking their questions because I know that they are not the only ones asking them. So thank you. Thank you. So Abby's question starts out with basically, I'm in a relationship. It's a healthy relationship. I feel good about this relationship, but I feel anxious and I'm afraid I'm going to sabotage it. First, I want to normalize this. If you're in a healthy relationship after years of not being in a healthy relationship, it can feel really, really scary. It's really easy in that situation to feel like at any moment it can all just go away or it can feel really hard or really challenging to receive someone's love and affection and let them in in a deep way. Or you can just be living in the fear of, oh crap, when is the other shoe going to drop? And I just wanna say it's normal 
But that doesn't mean just because it's normal, it has to be your reality. So I started the coaching conversation asking Abby what this feeling reminded her of, not so much what the relationship reminded her of, but how she felt in the relationship and what that reminded her of. And she immediately went to the relationship with her mom and specifically how her mom judged her for her decisions and wanted her to do it her way. Obviously, this comes from a place of love. Her mother just wants to protect her and make sure she doesn't fail or suffer any kind of rejection or negative consequences. But obviously, that's not really how life works. So at a young age, Abby learned that taking risk is not good and it's not who she is and it's better to play it safe and it's better just to, you know, be a high achiever and make good grades and I don't know, get on the soccer team or whatever being high achiever meant to Abby. And even though that was definitely a pattern that she grew up with in her childhood and with her mom, I still got the feeling that she didn't 100% believe that or played by those quote unquote rules anymore. Yes, it was definitely a part of her programming. But again, I didn't feel like this was 100% how she was operating because, you know, it seems like she did take some risk in her life and being in this relationship and continuing to work through it and having some of the more difficult conversations with her partner. And so when she mentioned that her parents were still very much entrenched in her life, especially her mom, that set off immediate alarm bells and everything made perfect sense to me. Now, in my call with Abby, I briefly mentioned my coaching episode with Pam back in episode 226, and she was wanting to heal the relationship with her brother. But I just want to be clear, you don't always heal the relationship with the person who created the core wound first, right? So with Pam, I suggested, well, maybe let's do some of the healing on your own first internally, because your brother can't really heal this for you. And if you get to a good place, and you still want to revisit the relationship with your brother, then I think that can definitely be a possibility. But your ability to feel good enough isn't hinged on healing that relationship, because he may not be available for it. And so let's just get to a place where it can truly just be the cherry on top. Now, in this case with Abby, it's not that she needs to heal her relationship with her mom, but she needs to set boundaries because it's bringing out her core wounds over and over again. And it's the equivalent of picking off a scab when you're trying to let it heal. She said herself that she felt so much freer when she was distancing from her mom because of COVID-19. So this is even further evidence that setting some boundaries will A, help her in the immediate term with her partner and B, give her more space to do the healing work that she needs to do without the wound constantly getting reopened. Now, this is not healing the relationship with her mom. That's a whole different conversation. If we were working over a longer period of time, there would be many more steps, many more conversations, many more shifts in the dynamics that would need to take place. This is just simply saying like, hey, I need some space to breathe. I need some space to be my own sovereign self so that she can just think straight and make decisions without feeling the guilt or the anxiety of it, and really just lean into who she really is. 
And like I said at the beginning of this episode, setting boundaries is not usually a clean process. You know, any kind of relationship where there are a lack of boundaries was created on some sort of power dynamic that wasn't even. The person who was crossing the boundaries usually has more of the power, and the person whose boundaries are being crossed usually is giving away some of their power. And so by shifting that, like I was telling Abby, it's not that you're taking power away from the other person, away from her mother. But she's just keeping some more of the power back, or she's keeping her power back, you know, because her power is good for her. And that feels very disempowering to the other person, in this case, her mother. And so will there be some pushback? Will there be some hurt feelings? Probably. I don't know exactly how it's going to go. I don't know exactly the dynamic between Abby and her mother. And I don't really know what her mother is really like. So maybe Abby will be the anomaly and her mother like, oh, yeah, no problem. But <laughs> probably won't be quite that way. But that doesn't mean that setting the boundary wasn't appropriate. It doesn't mean that you're being a bitch or it doesn't mean that you're being selfish or needy or any of those things when and if the boundary setting conversation doesn't necessarily go the way that you were hoping it to go. And I have coached countless clients to set boundaries, especially with over-involved parents. And again, it's just not ever going to be or usually never going to be a clean conversation. So you definitely have to be okay with that and stay true to what you know you need. Abby has clear evidence that having some space from her mom not cutting her out of her life, but having some space from her mom makes a difference. And she has this evidence from when she was doing social distancing from her mother. And so she needs to lean on that and lean on that evidence to build the confidence for her to have the conversation that she needs to have. I think in the end, this will actually help her relationship with her mother because there's probably some level of resentment or frustration, you know, when there's lots of boundary infiltration. And so I think it's actually going to have some healing effect on her relationship with her mom, even if that may not be the initial intention. And then it'll allow her to do some of the inner child work that she needs to do to address some of the anxiety. And it will allow her to heal some of the wounds around it's not okay to take risks, or it's not okay to trust your own self in making decisions. And ultimately, that's what's going to help her feel more secure in the relationship. I'm really glad that she's had these conversations already with her partner, because if she hadn't, that would have definitely been something I would have coached her around. But it's not ultimately her partner's job to fix this or heal this for her. He can't send her texts every day, letting her know that, he still loves her. He still cares for her. I mean, yes, you want there to be affection. You want there to be words of affirmation or acts of service or whatever your love language is, but it's not his job to make her feel secure in the relationship. Ultimately, that's on her. And she's only ever going to be able to do that truly and sustainably when she's able to do this healing work. Now, we briefly talked a little bit about anxiety. I won't get too much into it because, again, I think it totally applies if you relate it to the anger episodes that I did way back in June. I think there are episodes 218 and 219, so go listen to those if you're curious to dive a little bit more into that. But basically, with anxiety, really, as with any 
emotion that you may not want to feel all the time, like anxiety, anger, sadness, grief, is the more you can actually work with it rather than fight it, then the more it's going to subside and it's going to give you very concrete things to do, right? A lot of times when we feel ways we don't want to feel, we just kind of check out. We either just get back on tender or drink wine or take a Xanax or watch Netflix or do whatever. And it's not that any of those things in themselves are bad, but when you continuously ignore an emotion, at some point it's going to explode and it's usually not going to be pretty. And so instead, if you just invite it in as if you were inviting an old friend up for tea and you're like, oh, welcome, how are you? What's going on? What do you need me to know? How can I help you? When you talk to her or the part of you that is feeling anxiety, then A, it will subside most of the time. And B, it's going to give you some clear, concrete steps to take. Because the truth is, is that, you know, you can hire me as your private coach, but at the end of the day, I can't be a birdie on your shoulder 24-7. I don't know exactly what you need to be doing all the time. And that's not even really going to help you in the long run. Really, the point of this work is for you to be able to relate to yourself in a new way so that you can self-soothe and pull yourself out of holes and pull yourself out of spirals and things like that. And I think when you can relate to yourself in this way, rather than trying to go la la la, I can't hear you to the anxiety, but actually invite it in, then you're going to get some very specific actions to take. Oh, I need to have a conversation with my mom. Oh, I need to set another boundary. Oh, I need to say this thing to my partner. Oh, I need to take better care of myself. I haven't been sleeping well. And then from there, I promise you life is going to get much, much better for you. So if you'd like my support in your inner child or healing and reparenting process, I highly recommend you check out my e-course, Crappy to Happy. It's a two-week self-study e-course where I take you through the exact healing framework I take my private clients through. We start with connecting the dots, then we do the emotional clearing, then we reparent, and then I teach you how to apply all of this to quote-unquote real time, meaning when you're actually on a date or when you're triggered or when you're in a sticky situation, what is all this healing work and inner child stuff? What does it mean? How does it apply to the current situation? I show you how to do that exactly in lesson four and a crappy to happy. Plus you do get a coaching call with me so we can work through anything that came up for you during the course. And if you later decide you want to work deeper with me and when I'm on coaching, then you can apply your crappy to happy investment to your coaching investments so you don't have to double pay. So head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash courses to learn more. And if it resonates, I would love for you to sign up and I would love to support you. All right, my dear, that's all I've got for you today. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode of the Love Life Connection. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.